what is good, NYU? We are super excited to bring you the official NYU Athletics podcast. This is the silence behind the violet. So what is this podcast going to be about? We're going to be talking a lot about anything and everything that is NYU Athletics. We'll be reviewing and previewing the events that are surrounding that week's episode. So we'll be recapping. We'll also be looking ahead maybe with some predictions. And then we'll definitely be talking with a lot of guests. So those guests are going to consist of the student-athletes, staff, coaches themselves and anyone really it's part of the NYU community and talking about again Violet Athletics so I'm Kyle I'm the new media manager and I'm here with my boy Kai I'm gonna let him introduce himself yeah what's up everybody I'm Kai the assistant athletic communications manager um, you probably see me on the, the sidelines at the scores tables of some of our home games um, super excited to be here with Kyle my guy um, we're gonna have a lot of fun really just trying to um, shed some more light on our NYU athletics community and, and bring some of these stories to life. So really yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that this is something that we really wanted to get off the ground because we think that there are some really cool graphics that we've put out, some really cool video interviews that we've put out, but some of those stories that you all have are, are ones that would loan themselves better on the medium of a podcast, which is a little bit longer form, a little bit deeper storytelling. So with that said, we're going to go ahead and get this launch started with really the pilot episode. We're going to be doing a little bit of a fall sports wrap up. It was only a couple of weeks ago that all of the fall sports truly concluded. I was there in Michigan when it did, and it was really <laughs> cold. That was with the cross country teams. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Kai, women's volleyball. Let's do it. Women's volleyball, um, a historic season. When you when you talk about the great teams in this program, the 2022 Violets are absolutely up there. Um, first off, Final Four. First Final Four appearance since 2004. Uh, a huge run for NYU. Won the UAA regular season title for the second straight year. Fell in the in the UAA tournament to Emory, but uh, ended up being the last UAA team standing in the NCAAs. So... Um, really, really showed their worth there. Uh, the list of accolades goes on and on. We could spend a whole episode talking about that. But three All-Americas, All-Americans, Haley Holtz, star, one of the stars of the team, first-team All-American, Lindsey Hirano, probably already the best libero in program history, second-team All-American. For sure. And then Leela Anvikar with a huge breakout season this year at the net as a middle blocker on the third team. Um, and then, of course, uh, our good friend Andrew Brown, Region 4 Coach of the Year. Shout out to Andrew Brown. He's building a great program. Uh, had our, our hand on all over the UAA teams. Um, and just a fantastic season for the program. And, and really kind of the buildup to that, the crux of it, was Coach Andrew Brown building a gauntlet of a non-conference schedule. Welcoming in ranked teams uh, for two big events during the season, but Firstly, starting off on the West Coast in L.A., taking on some high-quality programs, including Claremont Mud Scripps, who was ranked number one for, for much of the season. Um, and then bringing in a lot of ranked teams for the NYU showdown, number eight, Calvin University at the time, number 19, MIT, number nine, Wisconsin, Whitewater, probably some of the most ranked teams in one building at once in NCAA D3 volleyball yeah. this year. And then uh, the UAA round robin, NYU uh, – Ran through it, for the most part, a 6-1 and one league record there. Um, like I said, and then hosted the UAA championship here in Brooklyn, brought it back to Brooklyn after about seven years. And, and of course, ended up falling to Emory in the semifinals, claimed third place, and then locked in for the tournament. A, a great NCAA tournament run, sweeping Westfield State in the first round. Got Salisbury University's very best, a five-set win mm -hmm. there. Um, and then Williams College in the regional final which had upset uh, host Wesley in Connecticut University. So that's kind of the nature of the NCAAs. You never know 
what can happen in those opening rounds, kind of paved the way for, for the Vows to head to Pittsburgh. Then took on Transylvania, Transylvania University in the Elite Eight, four-set win, and we can kind of really dub that as the Olivia Lewandowski match. Facts. Uh, I know all of us back here in New York watching were just in awe of what she was doing. 23 kills, 21 digs, both career highs in that match. Really carried NYU to the Final Four, an all-time match for her. And then um, met Trinity University, Texas in that Final Four match, a rematch of the Sweet 16 last year. Um, Trinity, once again, got the best of NYU, but an, an all-time season and just a really, a really thrilling campaign uh, mm-hmm. throughout. We're, during that NCAA run, because like you write like all the recaps for many of these sports, like during that run, were there any like particular matches, maybe even a specific set where NYU probably looked like the most dominant? And then conversely, like do you remember any where they were like really like on the ropes, but obviously still persevered mm-hmm. to get to that Final Four the, the way that they did? I mean, the easy answer for most dominant is against Westfield State. Yeah, of course, you know, achievement, achievement for them to, yeah. to make it to the tournament. Um, you know. Uh, winning the new Mac, I believe. Uh, Mascac. Mascac, mm-hmm. that is. Yep, yep. But uh, really a no contest, three sets, set sweep for NYU. As, I mean, the first ranked team in the region, it made sense that NYU got that draw. So that was easily the most dominant. Most on the ropes, um, that Salisbury match. Yeah, you know, that I agree. That one was really tough, especially, um, you know, the fourth set. We're up two to one, dropped it 25 to 18, had all of us at home a little, a little nervous. Um, but then Haley Hulse delivered the the decisive kill in the fifth, and a close fifth set, though, 15 and 12, so that was teetering. But then, really, I think the turning point of, of the tournament was in that Final Four match, right? Yeah. NYU won that first set against Trinity and then just kind of ran out of steam, it mm-hmm. seemed like. You know, Trinity just kind of flipped a switch, made a lot of adjustments. Um, Coach Brown's always talking about adjustments. Whenever I talk to him after a match, it, it volleyball comes down to how coaches kind of, um, you know, tweak their game plan between sets based on what the other team is doing. And Trinity certainly did that and, and just kind of kind of took it to the Violets in those last three sets there. What were the first set scores of each of those tournament matches? Because I remember that that had come up when speaking with Andrew. So Westfield State, yeah, you can go ahead and read yeah, them out. 25-8 to eight in the first yeah. against Westfield. And then Salisbury. 25-10 in the first uh-huh. against Salisbury. 25, dropped the first set against uh-huh. Williams, 25-22, but then came back and won the second, 25-16. Mm-hmm. And then... Transylvania, that first set, 25-23. All of those sets against Transylvania, both teams yeah. scored over 20 points. And then that first set against Trinity, won at 25-21. So really um, uh, started out each match strong during the tournament. Yeah, I bring it up because I remember talking with Andrew before he left for week two, before they went to Pittsburgh. I was like, it seems like you guys are just like punching them in the mouth. Like you just blitz them as soon as, as, soon as, the thing, as, soon as things get going. And he was like, yeah, like, that's kind of our problem because we kind of, like, lose that focus a little bit in the second set. And obviously they were able to bring it back together in that third set onwards. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's so much to be said about a team that just, like, no matter home or away, neutral or not, small gym like Brooklyn's mm-hmm. or, or a big one like where they were at in, um, in, in Pittsburgh that, you know, they come to play. And, I mean, especially for you, like, you do this, like I said, like, you're sideline at every single game. Like, I stand by this. I don't think any team has more fun playing the way that women's volleyball has playing, because like they, you, you, you can never tell the score, and I feel like that's like the, like the marker of like a pretty good team or a really damn good team, when you can't tell if they're up or down by a lot or a little, because they're just having fun out there. Yeah, you know they're I mean? they're always like it. No, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, even down to one of my favorite things is watching them sub in for each other. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, a player comes in, of course, involved, but they kind of have to like 
hold hands, get waved in or whatever, and just the the energy, the smiles, the laughs, um, in those little moments even, sitting right at the scores table, that, that's a lot of fun. But no, the energy around that team is just fantastic. It's a really tight-knit group. Um, you mic'd them up a few times this year, and I know there are some awesome moments there yeah. too. So um, yeah, one of, the, one of the most positive teams to be around in, in NYU athletics for sure. Yeah, totally agreed on that mic'd up note. And we'll just wrap up women's volleyball's segment for this wrap-up here. But yeah, we mic'd up Dami Drust for a practice, and... I uh, I saw them on Friday night at the women's basketball game and showed them the video that never went out. It never went out because of uh, of the subject matter, which we'll we'll keep <laughs> it there. And then what we did air though was uh, mic'd up with Lindsay Hirano, and it's funny. Like one of my favorite lines was um, I think it was like Ella Wider, where she was like, "We have to warm up." Like I know you're really famous now, but we <laughs> have to warm up. And Lindsay was like, "Yo, chill. It's not even like that." So it was funny. <laughs> it was funny to uh, to really just get to know them throughout this year. I mean, they're a really cool group. They're also a really young group. It feels like. And so I know that they're going to be returning a pretty good amount of their core, and uh, it'll be pretty exciting for the years to come. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Women's Volleyball Final Four. Awesome season for Coach Brown and his squad. Absolutely. And so we'll take it from Women's Volleyball over to Cross Country. We'll start with the women first. They made their first team trip to national since 2013. I was a senior in high school in 2013. <laughs> how, how old were you? I, I know was... you're younger than me. I was a freshman in high school in 2013. Washed. Got you beat there. <laughs> yeah, washed. All right, so yeah, women's cross country. Um, yeah, they got to make that team trip to nationals again, first time in just under a decade. It was cool for me because this was my first time getting to travel with an NYU team. And so it's always fun to co- cover a team no matter what, but it's especially fun when it's like the postseason and particularly nationals. I know you got to do it with women's basketball last year on a really good run. We'll be talking about them on this podcast a little bit more. But um, for for women's cross country, they had a really hot start to the season. They finished in first at the Vassar season opener. They returned to Poughkeepsie the following week, finished in second for the Ron Stonstitch Invitational. Stonich? Stonich. We'll go with that. Stonich. Yeah, yeah. Facts. And then they finish in first at the University of Rochester Yellow Jacket Invitational. So first three weeks came out just like women's volleyball does, guns blazing. At that Michigan um, National Championship, Grace Richardson, she is a graduate transfer. She became NYU's first All-American since two Violets earned those honors in that 2013 season. And it was definitely an exciting finish. So for me, it was actually like, I can count on one hand how many cross-country meets I've been to, like, live in person um, throughout like you know really just this job and at different institutions and that one was a really really exciting finish because we knew that the top 40 would be named all-american and grace was like literally sitting like 42 41 for like a large portion of the race maybe even 45 and so with only 1k to go coach tyler deck shipley he puts it perfectly in this um recap here from a couple of weeks ago after that he goes, Grace was in 41st place with only 1K to go. It was a great finish, and I'm so excited for her to be All-American and All-American. So if you run the Instagram post back, there's a, one of the slides is a video where she kind of like just emptied the tank, as she said, in the van later that day where she was like, bro, like I had nothing left, but I just like left it out there on the course. It was a really difficult course. Like they had pre-meet the day before, and there was still – mad snow on the ground and like it's a golf course it would otherwise be like a really really beautiful place to run and it would probably run fast but there was still a lot of snow out there but they did some plowing i mean to an extent but it was really hilly i know uh janie cooper she like fell pretty bad but then bopped right back up and so people were joking about that afterwards but um but yeah some some really good stuff from really the women's cross-country team they have a really really young team as well and so 
I mean, for them to be able to change the culture, that's a feature story that we did earlier this year. The way that they did really so quickly and really under Tyler's first real year of coaching, it's pretty encouraging if you're not only on that team but also a, a supporter of that team. Absolutely. Um, talk about young. I mean, rookie Viv Kane, mm-hmm. unfortunately, didn't get to race at Nationals um, due to injury, but an amazing season for her. She has the two best 6K times in program history as a freshman. Uh, also the best 3K time in program history, and she's up there in the other distances as well. But but really, like you said, Tyler's first f- year coaching where he had some time to prepare and his first recruiting class. Yeah. And, and a star-studded one, for sure. Mm-hmm. So... Um, they they were a lot of fun this year, and and again a fantastic season for women's cross country. Yeah, definitely. Really, to just put a bow on women's cross country before we get into the men's side, it was their highest national ranking this year. At, they got as high as twenty, mm-hmm. is that right? Um, since twenty fourteen, when they were ranked number nine in the country. So definitely a really good season. A lot to be proud of there, and we're really looking forward to hopefully some more trips that aren't to East Lansing, Michigan. Right. Strictly Why the weather. The NCAA yeah. has to send them there. Is a I know. Question for another beyond day. us. <laughs> On the men's side, Ryan Tobin, sophomore, made it back-to-back trips to nationals. He improved by 48 places. He really picked up his pace significantly as that national race went on. He really immensely uh, improved his splits as, a, as the uh, race progressed. I know he got out to a little bit of a slower start, but as we were refreshing um, split by split, it, it was definitely getting better. So uh, I know he was hard on himself afterwards in that, like, what they want to call a heated tent, but uh, it was still cold. But, um, I mean, that's just somebody that holds himself to holds himself to a high standard and you know you kind of appreciate that not only from like you know us on the administrative side mm-hmm. but also people that you know compete aren't athletes ourselves as well so right. um same schedule for the men of course to start the season in which the men finished tied for first at vassar uh second the following week at that same campus and then they actually won the rochester invitational they have a really young team nine freshmen again just as to your point um, Tyler's first really ever recruiting class. They have a bunch of characters, I will say myself, in fun my group. interactions yeah, group, for, for sure. media day. So uh, I'm excited. I mean, cross country, it's a team that, um, it's a team that honestly has a lot of fun as well. Like we talked about that with women's volleyball, but I think Katie Chang mentioned it in like a feature that we did, in that feature that we did, where she was referring to like, hey, like honestly, like last year, again, this isn't even so much to just like drag on last year, but she was kind of like solo. You remember like what she said yeah. about that as yeah. opposed to now where she actually has like a core mm-hmm. that she can run with. So, um, yeah, I mean, that about does it for cross country. So we're through those two. We'll take it over to the pitch for men's and women's soccer. Over to the pitch. I know everybody's got that, uh, got that soccer fever world cup season yeah, for right. sure. Um, and both NYU soccer teams with a strong season. We'll start with the men. Um, made the NCAA tournament again, back to back trips, third time in the last four years. Uh, coach Kim Wyant, kind of really with that sets that standard of a model of consistency, always a quality program, um, playing in such a tough conference. The yeah. UA, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, and a little bit of history for Kim and the Violets this year as well. So on October 28th, uh, Kim and Chicago's head coach, Julianne Sitch, became the first two female head coaches of NCAA men's soccer teams to face off. And it was an all-time match, of course, with the historical significance, um, a great moment for um, women in sports, for soccer, for collegiate sports in general, especially in the, on the 50th anniversary of Title IX. 100%. But also, we became the only team to, to not only draw, but shut out Chicago all season. Chicago, now the NCAA national champions. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they just won it like 48 hours ago, right. which is pretty cool. And not only did we shut them out, and not only were we the only one to do so and to draw, like you said, we only did it with 10 guys. 
when we did it with 10 guys because I was at that game and I think it was like, I mean, I can look back at the box score, but it was like the 20th or 25th minute in which we were given a red card, which, I mean, respectfully, I disagree. <laughs> respectfully. But, you know, is what it is. But, yeah, I mean, to do that with just 10 men, I mean, really, really impressive. I know that, you know, obviously you go out there to win, but maybe to not get so much into moral victories. That's something you take. Mm-hmm. That's something you take against the number one team. So um, I also, I, I was speaking with athletic trainer Matt Devins the other day, and he made a really good point about the final four teams. So who were the final four? It was Williams, obviously Chicago. Right. <clears throat> Stevens. Stevens right? was in there. And then it was one more um, team that we played this year. Um, but while Kai pulls that up, that fourth team, the point that Matt Devins made was like, listen, like it goes to show that we were right there. Right, right there. there. Mm-hmm. And like regardless of like record, in record, or rather, um, Mary Washington. Mary, Mary Washington. Washington. Okay, so three out of the four, right? Like the, we we've competed yeah. against throughout this yeah. entire year. We play year. C- Stevens every year, local mm-hmm. rival. Um, Williams, who is who we fell to in the first round, yes. two to one result. I mean, right there with them, that that two to one can kind of go either way at any time. For sure. Um, and then, of course, drawing Chicago. So it's with, with soccer, especially you know on the men's side in the UA, you really you really never know. What's going to happen? I mean, with a 4-1-2 and two record in the league this year, things one other thing goes a different way, and we're, we're right there, top two. Of course, no one was beating Chicago for the league crown this year, but... Um, what it, was our final record again? 22-0-1. 22-0-1. We're the one. Stupid. We're we the are one, the baby. one. <laughs> Shout out Luka Mancuso, NYU keeper. Yeah, that's Only right. keeper to hold them scoreless all season. Bald, um, for sure. But speaking of conference play... Archon, he balled out this Archon, year. Archon, yeah. Tassel our favorite Turk. Shout out to Archon. Um, <laughs> had an uh, amazing season. Co-offensive player of the year, of the year in the UAA. Um, last year, he, he came in his, as a sophomore, first year of collegiate play due to the, the COVID suspension the year before, but uh, balled out. 12 goals last season. Um, really established himself as a scoring threat. Uh, but, you know... I think it's safe to say, as a rookie, kind of had a little tunnel vision, you know, uh, really one-on-one player. And then this year, he he came into his own as a playmaker. Eight goals, nine assists, which led the UAA, um, and also was right up there in the, in the program record books. I think that was I think that was tied for the most assists in the season. It is, the yeah. He history. tied the single season assist record, mm-hmm. and then he's also he also does it in the clutch time, ties it, or rather tied for the second most game winning goals in a single season. So, ice in his veins. Nice in his Hit his sure. 20th career goal in his second season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's yeah, he, he's really blossoming here as he finishes junior season. Uh, we got him back next year, of course, as a senior. Really hoping uh, my man might enroll in grad school and, and use that extra year of eligibility. We could definitely yeah. use him. We want to see more of that Conor McGregor strut <laughs> that he'd be doing <laughs> exactly. after Exactly. Now the sure. Selly's on lock for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, Men's soccer as well. I mean, he's he's not. It's not a one man show. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, uh, one of our seniors this year, Alex Rovirosa, Ia, uh, Barcelona native. A lot of lot of international presence on this team. Um, he was really a table setter. Uh, you know, an, an assister, uh, tied for the fifth most assists in a season in program history with seven. And he actually has another spot in that list. He had eight last year. He was a third team All Region Four. He was an All UAA selection. A, a great season for him uh, as a midfielder, and. A lot of great moments for this team uh, this season. You know, they, they opened the season with a few, you know, lopsided victories against some local teams. Had a little bit of a down stretch. We really didn't know, you know, how it was going to go. And then UAA play, play came around, and they really flipped the script. I mean, I think that win against Emory in Atlanta was a turning point. Yeah, um, I was just going to ask. That was kind of Archon assisted on two goals and then scored the game winner himself. He really kind of... Had his hands all over that one. 
And then, of course, the draw against Chicago, which gave the team momentum. And then they beat Wash U and Brandeis 3-0 in each of those matches to round up yeah, the season. Yeah, that was a big, big pair of statement wins, for sure. Really lifted sure. them, I think, to get that at-large bit in the tournament. So yeah. a great season for men's soccer. Um, like I said, head coach Kim Wyant making history this year. And um, really looking forward to see what they do next year as well. Absolutely. And so as we talked about on the men's side with the depth of the UAA, it very much is the same exact case on the women's soccer side. So so for the women, they logged their eighth straight winning season with a 9-3-5 and five record, finishing 3-3-1 and one in the UAA. That's their most association win since 2018. They actually went undefeated through their first 10 matches by drawing against two top 10 t- teams in that span. They... Uh, tied against TCNJ, who was ranked number two at the time, and then Carnegie Mellon, who was number eight as well. So um, definitely a lot to be proud of on that side for sure. I know that they were probably like, well, they definitely were let down following the selection show and learning that they weren't picked for an at-large bid. However, as far as the season awards go, all region four teams, G made the first team, Wraith and uh, Tate Jordan made it to the second team. And then on the all UAA side, G was named to the first team. And then Kelly Keedy, shout out. Uh, Kelly, you've done a lot of work for this department, so don't think we forgot about you. We appreciate you, Kelly. That's facts. Like, I saw you on the women's basketball game on Friday as well. We're going to bring (laughs) you on the podcast, for sure. No doubt. And uh, Wraith making the second team for all UAA as well. Um, We have a couple of stats here for G as well, as far as just, like, what she's done uh, in a single season. Uh, Again, tied for fifth most assists in a single season with Mm -hmm. seven. Um, And she's been all UAA in all three of the seasons of her collegiate career. Of course, uh, you know, missed one due to the um, the COVID suspension, but... All UAA, Marla Consistini came in here and really has been one of the faces of this program um, since she's since she's arrived in New York. So shout out to G for that. And also shout out to Kelly Keedy on that note. A breakout season for her. Yeah, she balled. Came out guns blazing, just mm-hmm. scoring goals. You yeah. know, you, you saw the potential last year. She she had some some great moments, but this year really put it together um, and became one of the team's best finishers. That's you feel sure. like she was just more aggressive this year? Like obviously, so. like you know, there are adjustments you make from freshman to sophomore season, or like first to second season. But like, she just seemed like she was just like, "Yo, like I'm, I'm going for it." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like and just, just more often. a year older. But I think, and even speaking to her a little bit, the team, the, the kind of the mindset and and the um, the way the team gelled this year, I think, um, was a lot different. So that's another thing is just feeling that support out on the pitch and and kind of having a better sense of where everyone is just sets up better chances to score uh but yeah definitely more aggressive watching her play a lot more aggressive and it paid off for sure yeah definitely so they ended their season on a four game winning streak and there was one like really lopsided win in that last four games but overall they outscored opponents 15 to 3 so pretty good job on that front but um yeah women's soccer really good season um g who we were mentioning before, she's not only the face of consistency, what as you mentioned, but she's also the face of mic'd up and Taylor Swift <laughs> fandom. She brought that up during her mic'd up and uh, when talking about some others, uh, rather talking with others on the team before before a match. So that was a fun mic'd up. We we enjoyed doing that one um, as spontaneous as it was, as spontaneous as it was. So. Um, that does it for the soccers, um, both men and the women. We'll talk tennis and we'll talk golf. So we will preface this following segment by saying that their seasons will continue in the spring, but we wanted to discuss the work that they've put into this point as of this past fall. So let's start with golf. Yeah. Uh, the golf teams, <clears throat> the men with a, with a strong fall season, despite losing three of three of the five of their NCAA lineup last year, uh, Joey Burleson, Robbie Keys, and Chris Lee were exceptional golfers, of course, kind of led them to um, a strong finish at nationals last year. Now eight of the 11 on the roster are underclassmen. So head coach Katie Rudolph working with a young group. Um, 
the highlight of the fall, a third place finish at the Farmerdale Invitational, and then uh, a pair of golfers with some Liberty League honors. Ethan Yang with a Rookie of the Geek a Week award in there, so kind of showing some promise for these underclassmen. And then Charles Hussey, uh, one of the seniors, uh, landed on, on the Liberty League's weekly awards as well. So uh, kind of just, you know, it's the preseason really for yes. golf here in the fall. Kind of uh, get back into the flow of things before uh, it really ramps up in the spring. Yeah. On that note about the preseason, apparently the uh, the roasting is in midseason form because I asked, um, what's his name? Uh, Gretzky. What's the first name? Tristan Gretzky. Yep. I was like, who would the worst roommate be on the team? And he prefaced with saying that he loves Tony, but that <laughs> it'd probably be Tony. So make of that what you will. <laughs> As for the women, who were also really fun at Media Day, uh, appreciate you and bringing the energy. And also, if you're like a, well, yeah, if you, by the time this time airs, if you're a winter or spring student athlete, like bring the energy to Media Day, because that's like kind of our only touch point that we have with you, like face to face throughout the year. We can change that by making sure that, you know, we have, we have some good content um, from, for the rest of your season. Anyways, so for the, for the women, they were ranked, uh, or rather they are ranked 20th in the country. They finished in top two of three straight tournaments, those being the NYU Invitational, the Williams Invitational, and then which, both of which they won, and then they finished second at Middlebury. They have three, according to Golfsat, in the top 100 individual rankings. You have Tia Chowdhury at 70, Camila Chung at 86, and Stephanie Sue. Sneaking in there, Stephanie. 100. So it, it, it counts, though. It's all for the headline. <laughs> Three in the top 100. So definitely a really, really strong start to the season there. And, I mean, yeah, that, that just goes to show, again, another young group on that side with the women. Um, but that goes to show Coach Rudolph and her recruiting skills. I mean, last year, Aaliyah Clark was the star of the show. She came into NYU for the spring semester as a graduate student, had a little bit of eligibility left for golf, and, and showed out for the Violets. She was in first place at Nationals, I swear it felt like the whole thing. It felt like the whole tournament following along um, and then didn't win the whole thing but was in the top five. A fantastic showing for her. Uh, but Camilla has been a consistent face in the program for a few years now. But Stephanie Sue and Tia Chowdhury, rookies. Yeah. So that goes to show, you know, they have a lot of promise and the spring semester will be a fun one for women's golf. Yeah, I felt like every other week Tia was just bringing home a, a Liberty League honor yeah. of some tough sort. To keep, so. Tough to keep track of. I know, I know. So it's going to be good. It's going to be good. They're gonna, definitely going to give us a lot to cover, which we appreciate. I mean, there are some schools because Kai and I are like very familiar with the D3 space that like they're not as successful as NYU, obviously. And so like it kind of makes the job kind of rough because yeah. like it's easy to cover the success for us. And like obviously, yes, we do want to share your stories as well. But like when you're winning and I get to like make the the flamethrower captions that I do, <laughs> it makes things a lot more fun, especially for Kai. A caption like, God, <laughs> especially for Kai, like when he pulls up to do stats and stuff like that, like just knowing that, you know, like there's that there's that confidence not only for the people in uniform themselves, but also like the people that are working the games that like we just know we're gonna steamroll an opponent in whatever sport, like it makes, makes coming to work a little bit more fun. You we feel I mean? that energy too. You know, we're yeah. not just showing up, you know, putting the hours in and working our job. Like we were a part of this and we, we were just as much on your team, you know, as anyone else and really pulling for you guys. And, and we feel that too. We are, we are some of the biggest NYU fans in the house. That's so. right. That's right. For sure. So as far as another team, as we mentioned that will have their season, it got underway in the fall, but it'll continue in the spring like golf is tennis. So on the men's side, Alex Yang advanced to the round of 16 at the ITA regionals. And just like the theme has kind of been going throughout this season, pre, uh, rather, yeah, this fall review, there's a, there's a lot of young teams, but I mean, it doesn't mean that they're 
unsuccessful. It just means that like they have a really, really bright future ahead as far as the core that they're establishing. So with that said, on the men's tennis side, 12 of the 18 on the roster are underclassmen. Obviously, they gained some pretty good experience this past fall. They're going to get their season back underway in Pennsylvania. They're going up against Swarthmore. And how do you pronounce that? Is that Haverford? Haverford. Haverford. Yeah. Some people say with well, hard A is what it is. Uh, February 24th and 25th, as for when the men get back underway. On the women's side, uh, really, really successful uh, turn for the women there. Um, we have a returner in Dakota, and then we have Ida Kraus as well. Um, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how, the, how, how they did at ITA Regionals. Yeah. Uh, continues the streak of NYU women's tennis success at ITA. Mm-hmm. So ITA Regionals, the, the, or first off, the ITA tournament really is kind of the, the big fall championship for collegiate tennis. Uh, of course, the NCAA puts on their nationals in the spring, but, but the ITA holds it down in the fall. So they hold regionals throughout the country, um, and the winners and runners-up from each of those regionals convene down in Georgia for the ITA Cup. So Ida and Dakota won the Northeast Regional in doubles, and then Ida defeated Dakota in the singles title match in the Northeast, um, just as Dakota had done the year before. So they both went down to, um, to Georgia to compete in the ITA Cup. Uh, didn't fare as well um, as Dakota and, and uh, one of her t- former teammates did last year down there winning the national, national title in doubles, but both secured All-America status, advanced far enough for that. And Dakota's now a four t- four-time All-American as a sophomore. Sophomore. It's pretty dope. After three semesters. It's pretty dope. Yeah, Shout I out know. to Dakota. I know. Ida Kraus. Um, a Division One transfer coming f- to us from the University of Wyoming via Denmark. Um, so shout out to Ida. She is ranked number four in Division Three in singles after that performance mm-hmm. at ITAs. Uh, Dakota is ranked 11th in singles right behind her. And the duo together is ranked 11th nationally in doubles. So high expectations. going to be a lot of fun to see what they can do in the spring. And in the spring is when they will resume their match, or rather their matches. They have four straight to open up that spring slate in the Bronx at the Stadium Tennis Center. So we'll definitely be, as we always are, on it as far as the coverage goes for that. So um, that about does it for the fall sports, or rather fall athletics in review. Um, This was a fun one. I mean, obviously, like we said before, um, you know, the success is one that we really, really enjoy covering. It not only makes our jobs easier and more fun, but, I mean, we feel like we're are really a part of it with you when you're able to just create some really cool memories because like yeah for you like you get to go and this is me speaking to the student athlete you get to go on these really cool trips to really cool cities like for me i was talking to my barber before the michigan trip and i was like yeah like i never thought i would have gone to east lansing and to tell the truth i mean shout out but like i probably wouldn't have ever gone there or you probably would have never gone to Holland, right. Michigan, the way you did with no women's shot. basketball last year. You know, if it weren't for these work opportunities. So keep winning so that our, our senior staff can keep sending us to cool places. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a highlight of what we do, um, but not only mm-hmm. to just to just bomb with you all against yeah. the student athletes, but that's kind of that's a treat. You know, um, Kyle and I, of course, speaking of media days, you know, we've really tried to to ramp up our presence there. We have a lot of fun. Those are those are really the highlights of of the seasons for us. So again, yeah, bring the energy. Um, we have a lot of fun doing that with you guys and and covering, covering everybody all, all year long. So shout out to the fall teams. It was, a, it was a really fun fall season for the Violets. Yeah, really fun. We're looking to hope to, ha- looking to hope, we're looking to have the same amount of fun for the winter and as for the spring as well. Have a lot more new uniforms on the way. Mm-hmm. I know that the fall sports really, really look good while they did it this past fall. Same thing with the winter and the spring again. Um, that's the pilot episode in the books for the Silence Behind the Violets podcast, episode one. You can find us at NYU Athletics across the board, NYU underscore athletics on TikTok because, you know, sometimes people are just haters. They don't want to give up Come the username now. that they're not using. So, anyways, uh, that about does it for us. Again, I was Kyle, or <laughs> I am Kyle. I was. <laughs> 
Ross. I am. I will be. I'm Kyle. I'm Kai. Um, thank you for tuning in. It was a lot of fun. All right. Appreciate it. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you.